This episode of the Mother Loving Future Show is brought to you by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose with JMO 5000 Productions. Hey guys, welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. This is Amber and Jenna, and today we're discussing a topic that every human on earth can relate to, relationship triggers. Today's spin on this topic is how we can use triggers in our most intimate relationships for our own healing and, most of all, a bigger and better love. Who doesn't want that? For show notes, more on relationship triggers, or to sign up for our video newsletter, check out our website, themotherlovingfuture.com. I got the pleasure to try organic to green liquid coconut oil. This is a non-toxic skin and body brand that leaves my skin silky smooth and radiating that divine feminine feel full blast. I've been using the rose scented cocoa oil and I'm obsessed. Not only do I love how it doesn't turn solid, but it smells divine and it's infused with herbal botanicals and essential oils. I use this on my face, on my body, on my split ends, and in the bath for aromatherapy. They are amazing. And today they're giving Organic to Green is offering MLF listeners 10% off at checkout with the code GREEN10. We will leave all the details in the show notes. So enjoy. Jenna, do you want to start us off with your definition? Yes. So relationship triggers are when you have deep wounds or traumas within your psychology that are being triggered to the surface through your relationship and then convert to relationship drama. Mm, Drama. From trauma to drama. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a good spot. And we've all been there. And it's so easy to think it's legitimately the other person. It's it's them. It's all about them. them. You always think it's the other person. The trick of the mind. Mm-hmm. Ego trying to take us down. That's ego. Yeah. Th- this is this is a this is a really important topic. Yeah. Because everyone and wants harmony and a loving, like strong relationship, but it's just so easy to to confuse our trauma with genuine re- issues in our relationship. And also when with our partner or significant other, we feel hopefully the, the safest, the most comfortable, the most at home. And so it's in those moments that we feel comfortable to expose whatever we really are feeling. And sometimes those are the darker parts of ourselves. So they're the one who get to experience that, unfortunately. Yeah. I, yeah. On that note, I just, just recently, a couple of weeks ago for the first time ever started going to therapy and she said to us, like, we're kind of like going through what our issues were. And she said to us, well, you both understand that Amber, you came in with your unique trauma and, and pain body and Carrie, you came into this relationship with you carrying in your trauma and baggage. So you guys are currently wound on wound. This like relationship dynamic is not your authentic dynamic. You're both playing out your traumas on each other. And if you individually heal your traumas and your pain and move into the fire to to unleash them and let them go, your dynamic will completely transform. Totally. And that is the core of what we're talking about here today, which is instead of looking at relationship troubles as a problem, like he said, she said, problem with the other, to actually instead shift the focus and say, how is this about my own trauma and how can I heal myself in order to heal my relationship? Totally. And on that note, 
Um, I also want to say that that doesn't excuse bad behavior. And that doesn't mean that your partner is innocent. Um, I still completely um, believe that the relationship you choose should be based in harmony and love and an authentic respect for each other. That does not excuse if someone's like really abusing those kind of um, expectations in a relationship. Totally. So, so this, uh, this philosophy today that we're going to be getting into really applies to those moments when you're in a good relationship and you know that that person you're with is genuinely a good person and that you do love them and you do want to be with them and they're not, they're not hurtful. It's not um, harmful for you to be with. What we're looking at and what we're trying to pinpoint are the kind of like day-to-day nitty-gritty kind of minor triggers that are going on mm-hmm. um, that you can take responsibility for. So there's something in your response that's loaded from your past pain and trauma. It's not purely them. There's something that you're bringing to kind of amp up the drama as well. Totally. And this is a topic that we've been seeing in our own lives and in everyone around us's lives recently, (sighs) which is why we're talking about it now. Um, And so on that note, Amber, what was the catalyst for us to have written this article (laughs) and for us to be talking about this Yeah. I mean, so, you know, basically, you know, Jenna and I just kind of let life flow and the things that are really bouncing out to us as like, whoa, this is like a serious repetitive theme that's popping up in our life that we just can't ignore. That's, they're the things we bring to our podcast because we're hoping that this is maybe kind of like a universal theme that that's showing up for people and more people can relate to it and benefit from just hearing our story around it. So this topic got birthed out of my own um, issues I've been having recently in my own relationship, my marriage. I'm not going to get into too many details, although they're very juicy, um, but I'm going to skirt around the, the main details because quite frankly, they don't matter. I've come to realize, like I'm really proud of myself, but I've come to realize that it's not really about the details and getting caught up in he said, she said, he did this, I did that, da, 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 doesn't serve anyone. And looking for somewhere you can take responsibility is the most empowering place to sit when it comes down to resolving relationship drama. And it's so hard to do because as we mentioned, the ego wants to attach itself to blame. And also it's kind of like our mind is trying to make sense. When we get busted with something traumatic or painful or shocking or jarring for us, our mind is trying to like make sense of it. So it, it, it places it on the other person to blame and they're screwed up and whatever, but there really is room for us to lean into the discomfort of what's coming up and figure out how we can have turned this as in an opportunity to heal something deep that's being stirred within us. Mm, definitely. So yeah, this, I mean, we're in September now, but August was, <laughs> Just going to take a deep breath here. Oh, thank God August is over. It was really intense. I have not seen someone (laughs) have to deal with what Amber has just been like, punch, 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 Uh, punch, uh, punch, uh, uh. right, left, right. Just one thing after another. Yeah. And not just within your relationship at all. No, it's, well, okay. So let's start with, um, let's, let's start with kind of like the, 
the crux of this. Basically, um, so let's just look at August because I think that it's an important note to realize that there's divine intervention working here and divine orchestration that is actually in my favor and serving me to wake up, to heal what I need to heal. So I can be of a lighter love embodied um, person to move on, to do bigger things with my life and to represent more of the light and love. I can't represent light and love and mindfulness and whatever positive things I want to inspire people around if I myself and being held down by by fear or anxiety or insecurities or triggers or whatever it may be. So I believe that even though it looks like massive drama and an unfair blow of just like crazy things happening to me, I can kind of move above that and see that this is divinely orchestrated to help me with my healing. So I want to start off by this, by saying that, that this isn't a sob story. This is just like expressing the craziness that's happened. So um, you can maybe relate to the craziness in your life and find the blessing in it. So basically, um, August was just a crazy month, like planetary wise. It was. Like, yeah. like, so we had the Lionsgate portal. We had, the was, lion, we had two eclipses, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I think there was a lunar eclipse and then there was the Lionsgate and then there was the solar eclipse. And don't forget Mercury in retrograde. Mercury in retrograde for most of the month. Yeah. And there was also my birthday smack bang in the middle of August. And the reason I say that is because I don't know about everyone else, but every single birthday, I just fall into this funk before my birthday. It feels like I'm almost preparing for a rebirth. Like I feel just like, I don't feel like, woo, let's celebrate. I feel like discomfort and things are coming up to almost be let go of or cleansed. And so all of this stuff was coming up like on my birthday month because I believe that each year is a new phase, is a new chapter, is a new skin that you get to explore and move into. So besides all that planetary stuff, which just may be amplified, and I also believe like, you know, time is speeding up right now. And there's this, I'm feeling this really intense velocity, this energy currently moving up that I think is forcing us all to step up and move up and at quick speed, look at ourselves and what we need to heal to, there's almost like a, there's something drastic happening on earth right now that we need to peel back all the layers that aren't serving us so we can actually, um, be of service and be of use towards the light. So that's that's what I think is pushing all of this craziness out right now. But basically, in the beginning of August, um, I had this um, real... I was triggered so deeply. Um, okay, I want to start by saying there are two kind of wounds that have been running my life, sub, kind of consciously but subconsciously. Subconsciously playing them out, but they were consciously there. And those two wounds were um, around relationships and being able to feel safe in relationships and to trust men and to, um, to have someone really be there for me. So that was one pretty big wound that was buried quite deeply. The other major wound was more of a physical manifestation manifestation in my reproductive system. So from the moment I was born, I think I was back in the hospital like week two with burst hernias. Really? Yeah. As a little baby, like two week old, crazy. Like in your the, tummy? Yeah. Like, like just below, just below my tummy, like near my ovaries. 
Really? Yeah. So, which kind of leads me to feel like, or like there's something in my lineage that I inherited that I that got passed down to me. That's so interesting. Yeah. I so had, f- I had ear infections and I have problems with my jaw, and that's like right where your jaw comes together is hmm. your ear. Interesting. Yeah. So I was born with some type of blockage almost mm-hmm. in that area, in that lower chakra, right? And so then um, when I you know, was kind of transitioning into puberty, I had major issues. I had cysts all over my ovaries, both ovaries that came from nowhere. Like I was so active and healthy and it was definitely not lifestyle related. I, I was just born with this predisposition to issues in my reproductive area. So I never got my period ever. I, I think I, when I was like 17, I got like one cycle and that was it for years and years and years. And they found these cysts on polycystic ovaries on both my ovaries. And I know it's quite common, but it's a bit of a mystery as to where they appear from and what creates them. And then, and you know, if it's a mystery to doctors, that means it's an energetic <laughs> stagnation. That's it. Um, so basically, and then I, I think that, you know, I carried that trauma and blockage around my my um, lower chakras throughout my life so then um you know I I was told I was infertile and I wouldn't be able to have a baby and you know I mean Valentine's clearly a miracle child <laughs> well can I interject though because sure. I I remember having asked you like were you scared that you know that you weren't going to be able to have kids and you've always sort of answered like no I always thought that I'd be able to yeah. like I'll tell you why because when I discuss, when I was stuck in that place of not being able to have a menstrual cycle, it showed up as acne and it showed up as like something that was like so intense for me to deal with on my face that I was so motivated to get to the bottom of it. And I went to endocrinologists, I went to gynecologists, I went to dietitians, I went to everyone and no one could offer me a solution to this issue. And someone put me on the pill, the birth control pill. And then I'm like, I don't want to put a bandaid on this issue. I want to get to the root cause. I went on Chinese herbs, acupuncture, everything, and nothing quite worked. Right. So I was sent on my own healing journey and I read and researched and interviewed people and spoke to people and learned about food as medicine and like the effects of sugar on your system and alcohol and coffee and like I, I basically empower myself with knowledge around how I can better my situation. And that changed my life. Like that sent me kind of like set the stage for my appreciation and obsession with food as medicine and, and um, you know, natural kind of alternatives to any situation. Amber is one to really rise to the occasion. <laughs> I have to say, I've I, observed her <laughs> now over many, many times. Many hurdles. Many hurdles. <laughs> These recent ones kind of took the cake though. But like you have risen, you have risen. I just feel like there's no option. Like, what am I going to do? Like curl up in a ball and not live my life? Well, that's the other option, isn't it? Yeah. And that's boring. Like I'm going to miss out on all the fun <laughs> and life. Like I have no option but to lean into the issue to get to the other side. And so basically- She doesn't even know how special she is. <laughs> we're all special. Um, so basically, you know, like I, I've, I, I got sent off on this healing journey and I finally worked out, it was around my thyroid and my pituitary gland and I, my system wasn't like releasing certain hormones and then I leveled that out and then I started, 
you know, I, I started a proper menstrual cycle kind of in my mid-20s, right? But anyway, whenever I felt stress and whenever I felt um, anxiety or trauma or whatever it is, I usually felt it in my reproductive area. Really? Like in what way? Like, like how would it manifest? Like for instance, um, like, God, I hope there aren't too many boys listening to this, but like thrush. You know, like, like if I was like really, or like a urine retract infection, like I'm really mad and it usually happen in romantic relationships, like sexual relationships, like when things were sexually off or I wanted to like protect myself, say I was with someone and like I was younger and I felt the pressure to have sex, but I didn't really want to my body would create an issue in, in um, my, my sexual area, like a urine retract infection would pop out of nowhere. That makes sense. Or thrush, whatever it is, it kind of like, that was just kind of always like, if something was going down, it was in that area. Everyone has their, their totally. place. Totally. But for me, that is a signal that there's some type of trauma in that area that I've either come into life with. Well, clearly you came into life with it. Yeah. It's been happening since you were two weeks old. Totally. And, and, you know, you then have fears around that place. So you just kind of perpetuate it and manifest in some weird way. Anyway, so back to what's been happening this month. So the two subconscious slash conscious traumas that I had that I can really recognize in my life was health-wise in a reproductive area and then like my trust issues with men and feeling safe in a relationship and needing to not need someone and be so independent so that someone couldn't let me down, right? Which we all get accumulated from our interpretations during childhood, you know, of our parents and what happened and it gets locked in us and then we play it out somehow in our life. So anyway, this month, both of those things got activated in such an intense way that I had no option but to call them out and move into them and deal with them. And really, if I think about it, I'd spent the majority of my life running from those traumas and fears and pains and shoving them so deep down and trying to choose a partner that specifically wouldn't activate that pain so I would never have to face it. And this month, um, basically, (laughs) I... You know, I we we discussed on a previous podcast. I had a miscarriage in June, which came out of nowhere, and then I this month something really hardcore went down with Carrie in our relationship, which activated all of those wounds that I've been running from my whole life. And then as we were dealing with that, I then discovered I had an ectopic pregnancy, which for people who don't understand that, I I hadn't heard of it before I got diagnosed with it. But basically, it's when you get pregnant outside of your uterus. It's 99% of the time in the fallopian tubes. And so basically, I had like a little, you know, embryonic sac with a tiny little baby fetus in it stuck in my left fallopian tube. (laughs) I've been a mother to three so far. How weird is that? I know it is. Anyway, so basically, my option was to get a chemo shot or to get surgery. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is this my life right now? Like, clearly I'm not going to, I'm going to get the least invasive kind of um, solution. So I opted for the chemo shot and then I had the chemo shot and about three days into that. So the chemo shot's meant to shrink the fetus and dissolve it back into your body, right? 
So after about three days of having the chemo shot, I was starting to feel like really off, like super woozy. And, and let me just interject that ectopic pregnancy is can be very dangerous. It's like the number one cause of death in, in Africa, women of reproductive age. It is, can burst and be very dangerous. Well, yeah, the reason why it's dangerous is that it's impossible to continue a pregnancy when the fetus is in the fallopian tube because the fallopian tube's tiny, right? Although there have been a couple that have been born. What? Yeah, I read, no. it, I read it online when I was researching your condition. No way. Yeah, they, in it, the in it, the that it was it, man, it managed to be able to grow. Yeah, no, they, to they, fill to full term, to full term, impossible. Well, I'll we'll Wikipedia this after. Okay, but, but that's impossible. You know that, right? I'll, like a placenta can't grow. No, in but there. it was must have been like close enough to the opening or something where it was able to grow. I mean, okay, I have to read to believe yeah. it. Because, well, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I just, okay. when I was researching this for you, the ice happened. I mean, to kudos see. to that mama. But I don't think they that's did. That's a miracle. They didn't, I don't think they knew. That he, that they didn't know that they were ectopically pregnant, but, and then it got to a point maybe where... Maybe he just had like one foot in the floating tube. Yeah, maybe. Could have been something like that. Could have been something like that. Just dipping that baby toe in. You know, they love to do that. Anyway, we, that's true. <laughs> so, we, we digress. Okay, right. So basically, where was I? Basically, um, yeah, they're fatal because if you don't know that you're having an ectopic pregnancy, the longer you leave it, the more chance you have of the fetus growing to the point where it ruptures the fallopian tube and then that causes internal bleeding. Mm -hmm. And then, then when the internal bleeding goes and goes and goes, um, you know, that, that's fatal, you die. So basically we don't want a rupture and we don't want internal bleeding because then it's emergency surgery situation. And you right? were in danger of that during this time. I remember I mean, it was yeah. like, you were like, I don't know if I should walk around too much. I don't want it to burst. <laughs> Ignore that. Went for a bike ride day three, but never mind. Um, so anyway, so basically I took the chemo shot because the doctor was like, oh, you're a good candidate for the chemo shot working because you're only six or seven weeks, which is ironically, I was six or seven weeks in my previous, um, in my miscarriage. So anyway, get the chemo shot and day three or four, I get just like smacked with just these full body cramps and just like debilitating, not being able to move, buckled over in bed. But then I would kind of breathe my way through it and I would be okay for a minute. And then I would get hit again. And I'm like, oh, this must be a bad side effect from the chemo because the doctor told me I would know if I was rupturing because it would be so sharp and intense and ongoing, that pain that you would be rushed to hospital. So I'm like, okay, cool. This is just the chemo. It's just like, it's maybe this means it's working. So anyway, that went on for a day. The eternal optimist. Yeah. So <laughs> then nearly got me killed. So the second day I put Valentine down for a nap and I was like hit by this wave of like nausea. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to vomit. So I ran to the bathroom and I leant over the sink and I'm like, oh, I'm going to vomit and pass out at the same time. Sounds a bit like labor. <laughs> Honestly, when I was going through this, I'm like, it's labor pain. Yeah. That's so weird you say that because yeah. when I was in the bath, you know that crippling pain. Um, and like cramp pain where you can't move out of it? It was like that for an hour. It was like labor pain. So what was happening is, so I jumped in the bath. The bath had already been run from the morning because it was the only thing that kind of soothed the pain. So I managed to take one step to the side into the bath, fully clothed. That's how desperate I was and managed to push through passing out, right? Just breathe through it. 
And then I'm like, oh, this is dangerous. Valentine's alone in the house with me. I'm about to like pass out. Call Carrie. You've got to come home, like not feeling good. And then I call my girlfriend who was 15 minutes down the road and she came over to watch Valentine. And then I was in the bath for an hour, just kept putting on the hot water, kind of moving through it. Carrie got home and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel like overheated now. And I feel well enough to stand up, just hold me as I stand up. And I super slowly, super cautiously stood up. And as I stood up, I was like, I had my arms around his neck. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pass out and just collapsed. And Carrie got me and put me down on the floor. And (laughs) I always crack up when I think of this bit. (laughs) He was like (laughs) straddling me, slapping me and shaking me and screaming in my face. How do you know this? He told you after? He told me. He was slapping me. And my girlfriend, Paloma, walked in. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here, guys? (laughs) And uh, I just could imagine him like, yeah really giving it to me, like letting out all that aggression. No, I'm sure it wasn't like and that. So he, anyway, was <laughs> he was slapping me around and I was completely gone out of it. And then he said my eyes kind of like, my lids rolled open and my eyes were like completely like black, like no light. Dilated. My pupils were completely dilated. And so he got to do the kind of like the fun dramatic line, you hope you only get to do once in your life, which is call 911. So Paloma call 911. And I kind of, I went to this dream when I was passed out where I was in a carnival and this really fun music was going and someone in the carnival was calling my name from a far distance away. I heard Amber, Amber, and it kept getting a bit louder and then it got really loud and I kind of squinted my eyes open and Carrie's like eyeballs were in front of my eyeballs. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like oh my God, you're alive. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then I heard like fire truck sirens in the background. And I'm like, oh no, you didn't call the fire trucks, did you? And then I hear Valentine little pitter-patter running through the house going, two mama, two fire trucks, two, yay. He was like stoked on this. And then I heard the ambulances coming and I'm like, oh, come on, guys. This is like way too dramatic. I just passed out because of the chemo. I'm fine, honestly. And they measured me and I was, you know, low blood pressure. And they're like, just for safekeeping, go to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, this is so dramatic. And the wound of not being dramatic was stopping me from being in tune enough with my body to be like, no, I need help, which was one kind of like, bing cool that's something I need to work on for the future like that you know could have like risked my life if I had stayed home I would have died like for sure I would have I was internally bleeding at this point but didn't realize it do you think you just have a really high pain tolerance or do you think it just didn't hurt that bad or do you think you're just being dramatic I have two philosophies one is that Thanks, and I don't want to scare anyone around natural births because I'm a big natural birth advocate, but because of my natural birth with, with Valentine was just like so out of this body intense that the pain, I think my pain threshold, my 10 out of 10 is now an average person's like 15 or 20 out of 10. Like it was like off the Richter scale painful for me. 
And so when something of a 10 out of 10 happens, I think it's a five out of 10 because I'm waiting for that 15 out of 10 kind of feeling. So I didn't recognize it because my pain threshold had moved. And I also have this thing about not wanting to be easygoing, not wanting to be dramatic. Um, From your childhood. Yeah, from my childhood, for sure. So um, I think that was what was playing out at that moment. Luckily, Paloma was like, you know, my best girlfriend was like, you are going to the hospital, Amber, just for, you know, you know, safety of mind, like just go and get checked out. I'm like, okay, cool. At least I get to tick the box of riding in an ambulance. So I got in a stretcher. All the neighbors were like waiting at the lawn, watching me go out, <laughs> taking photos, Instagramming, whatever they need to do. I'm like, oh, this is so dramatic. Why? Anyway, got to the hospital, did a whole bunch of bloods and vitals on me, went in for a scan and I could just see the nurses' faces looking at the ultrasound and their eyes just popped out of their heads and they moved into the screen and they were like, you know, moving around, tapping and taking photos and they were looking at each other and scribbling on notes and I could just tell that they were freaked out. So I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Like, just tell me what's going on. And they're like, mm, best to talk to the doctor. I'm like, I'm dying. Like, this is, this is bad. Went to the doctor. He came in. He's like, we think you've ruptured. We think you're internally bleeding. You have a massive pocket of fluid or in, in, around your fallopian tube and it's leaking into your pelvis. And that we've called the operation team. You're going to be on the operating table in 30 minutes. You need to like sign a consent form that they can remove your fallopian tube and your ovary if need be to save your life. And we've got the surgeon that's on call to come and do it. And good luck. <laughs> like, what the heck? This is not my life. So anyway, another kind of good space for me to remind like that story of like, this doesn't happen to me is just such BS. Like you can be the healthiest person or the most mindful person or whatever. And stuff happens. Like I believe there is like more at play than just us reacting to life and and what we put out. I think there's like divine intervention to some degree. Right. So anyway, go in and they're like, okay, think of somewhere nice to go in four, three, two. And I'm like, Bondi Beach, feet dangling off the icebergs. Here I am. And then I was waking up and that was it. That was like an hour of my life just disappeared. And they, um, they removed my left fallopian tube and, um, you know, they, they did least invasive kind of invasive surgery with a little kind of like nip at my, into my belly button, nip down in my pelvis, in my like pubic area. And, you know, they Which you later ripped apart. <laughs> Accidentally ripped my stitches out, but you know, that's, that's just what we do, part of the story. So basically, you know, the whole point of the story is when I was later looking into like, of course I was like, what the heck is really going on? Like, why did I create this? Like, if you believe in the fact that things aren't just based on coincidence, that you are subconsciously creating the world around you. If that is true, then why would I have created this? And I started looking into what the left side means. And they say that the left side represents um, pain, emotional pain from your past. 
gets kind of stored in your left side. And so when something comes up in your left, it's, it's, it could be related to a past pain, emotional pain. And so I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Like there has literally been um, a rupture, a bursting of something painful that's coming up to the surface. Now, at the same time as this was happening, as I mentioned, I had a big breakdown with Carrie in our relationship a week before the rupture. So when this breakdown with Carrie happened, I was so triggered by my past wound that I was running from my whole life that and so startled, I just said, uh, uh, I need time to heal and to move through this and to figure this out and to trust the situation again. And there is no way we're trying for a baby during this time. And it doesn't. And the weird thing was I was pregnant as that was happening, but the baby stopped and didn't go through with the pregnancy and stopped in its tracks while this drama was going on, I guess, or maybe before. And it, it, um, didn't proceed to go through with the birth. And I believe that there is something, you know, going on forcing Carrie and I to like move through our own individual trauma and our own pain so we can come together in an authentically mindful, loving, powerful space in order for this baby to want to come in to that situation. Totally. And to be a vibrational match because it's probably a very high vibrational little being that wants to come into a high vibrational womb. Woman. Um, Oh yeah. I'm calling in the next Buddha baby. Um, So basically, you know, it doesn't surprise me that my two wounds exploded at the same time during the month of my birth. And I feel as though that they were completely related and that it was the universe being like, you guys need to upgrade in your consciousness. You need to upgrade in, in your representation of love, of divine union, of everything, because unless you don't, like you're not going to be able to fulfill your true purpose. You're not going to be able to be true contributors to the light war on earth. And there needs to be a global shift of consciousness we're at like the tipping point. There's so much drastic stuff going on right now, environmentally, politically, everything that every person needs to be pushed to the point of breaking through their crap in order to be of service. And I really feel like this was such a blessing, however scary and intense it was. I, I really trust that this was a wake up call and a blessing to force me into the place where I never would have gone. It was too traumatic. It was way too scary for me to ever go into that past wound unless I had so much at stake that I couldn't run away this time. And that is where I think marriage and divine union play such a um, important role. I think that my higher self had actually like called Carrie in and signed the spiritual contract, a marriage contract with him and created a baby with him as kind of like, you know, to set the stakes high enough so that I couldn't run anymore. I'm not going to not sort through my trauma at, you know, because that's going to affect Valentine. 
I'm doing it for Valentine and my own greater good, my own greater self. And honestly, if Carrie and I weren't married and we didn't have a baby, I would be like, check ya, out of here, see ya. And I would have been doing myself a disservice and him a disservice because that's part of his healing to face his traumas that are running the show subconsciously, stopping him from being fully engaged in the relationship to the best ability, you know, to his higher self. It's beautiful. This is the yeah. work. This is, has not been easy, but you, like I said, you've handled it with grace. And I've been very impressed with just how you've stepped up to all this because the amount that's been on your plate with all these triggers exploding in your face has just been so much. Babe, I ruptured. You ruptured <laughs> big time. I'm exploding. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yeah. I mean, you know, call me delusional, but I kind of, I have to find a greater meaning and opportunity in this because I would just crumble. And I, I don't have space to crumble in my life because you know, to, it's just not, I just, there's too much at stake for, you know, everyone else and everything else and for myself. And so, and I really, really believe in like there being a greater force that is guiding us that, and, and I love reading between the lines and looking for the hidden message and looking for, you know, where I'm responsible and how to like, what that, what I'm trying to wake myself up to is love, what I love looking for in these moments where, it can seem like doom and gloom and, you know, there being this and that. And, you know, I just think that it's a kind of fun game. Once you understand the concept of it, you can start seeing it everywhere. And it's a really positive game to enroll yourself in because you're just constantly trying to move into a better space, into um, a, a lighter space. So you're saying that we can benefit from the breakdowns in our lives and in our relationships. Yes, that is, <laughs> that is my whole point. So, you know, basically my message through my experience, which I want to communicate is to when you are in the relationship is, that is generally healthy and wholesome and, and like, you know, good for you in your life, when you're in that relationship and triggers come up, um, you know, kind of um, try on the fact that this is your higher self trying to wake you up to something that needs to be healed. There's something in this for you. There's something in a breakdown that can cause a massive breakthrough, but you need an extreme breakdown to have an extreme breakthrough. And you need to step up. That's it. Move, lean into the trauma, into the most uncomfortable place possible, into the pain. You can't run away from it. You can't distract yourself with blame. You can't pretend it's all about them. No. You can't like what sweep it under the rug. You have to move into that discomfort and really kind of seek support with either a therapist or someone else or a healer or your own self and get to the truth of what's running the show and being triggered. Cause it's very easy to say, Oh, you know, like it's all their fault. Like they totally, whatever abandoned me. And that's clearly their fault. But consider the fact that my reaction to Carrie's say, I'm just being hypothetical here to Carrie's reaction of like to Carrie's action of abandoning me. My reaction is amplified by my past trauma of being abandoned. And so I'm actually projecting 
a way bigger reaction and pain on him and drama on him from my own traumas that I haven't faced and I haven't healed just from Kerry's like whatever, being an hour late to dinner or whatever. And that can really deteriorate a relationship. And you may not, you may your whole relationship have the story that they're just unreliable and divert the blame to them rather than being like, whoa, like where is that trigger coming from? And like, this is an opportunity to heal something that's running my life to a degree. You know, and maybe they are unreliable. And I mean, just hypothetically, like maybe this person is unreliable and you could focus on that. But um, I feel like if the other partner doesn't focus on the fault of the other and instead says, how can I step up? then it becomes an inspiration to the, the other partner too to step up. So if one, I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, totally. And, and to that point, it's not just about you taking responsibility and doing the work. It's, and just letting them get away with being, you know, not showing up fully for you. It's, it's, it's a dance between like, oh, whoa, there's, there's an opportunity in here for me to grow and heal and to be a more empowered version of myself. And at the same time, this is an opportunity for me to, to express how to be supported and what's okay and what's not okay and your expectations in your relationship. And then that's an opportunity for your partner to step up and work through their stuff and their blockages and issues. So it's not about just letting them get away with bad behavior and you taking responsibility and working through your old traumas. It's you still have to request what you need from them and, and draw boundaries in the relationship. True. Um, so what do you think about like the relationship between healing ourselves and then seeing an outward healing in the world or seeing the oh world? Oh my gosh. Heal? So I think that the biggest motivation to move into your wounds that need to be healed is not just the sake for your family and your children and yourself. It's for the greater good of humanity. Like there is a ripple effect. I feel like when we really commit to healing ourselves and undoing that like that stagnated energy that we may have inherited from our parents, from our parents' parents, from our childhood, from all of that, when we start to undo that and, and heal that and move into a wholer place, it has a ripple effect into our family. It has a ripple effect into, you know, our closest loved ones that we're sharing life with, our, our children. And you're representing a healthier whole person to then inspire the people around you, your friends, your, your children that then gets raised on, you know, what you're modeling. And not only that, not just your immediate circle, there needs to be an upgrade in consciousness um, on a global scale right now. We talk about this all the time. And the only way that is going to happen is if we take responsibility for our own healing. Because how are we meant to feel the pain of the earth or the pain of another or the, the, the pain of like a race um, if we can't, if we're so distracted by our own pain? It's impossible to feel compassion and empathy when we are so distracted and wrapped up in our own drama. So for the sake of humanity, every person needs to individually focus on their own healing and then they will see a shift in their relationship and they'll stop, you know, playing that out in their relationship. And then they're able to like, you know, make a difference in, in kind of the world at large. 
in, in, a, in a bigger way. Like, like we discussed before, if every single person took on their own healing, there wouldn't be racial wars, you know, sexuality wars, rape, murder, bombing, because we would feel that sense of togetherness, compassion. You would feel like they're your brother and your sister and your neighbor and your children. And like, how on earth would you be able to kill another child through a bomb in a village when you are in touch with the love for your own child enough and your inner child in you? It, it just wouldn't happen. It's true. So it all and, begins and, with us. And also on just an additional point to that, it's like a lot of us are so caught up in our own pain that we are unable to complete the projects that we want to complete to help the world. So, I mean, on one level, yes, like none of the, if everyone was healed, like there would be no wars or any, anybody doing anything bad to anybody because they'd be just so healed and in perfect state. But also like those of us who want to are not fully there, but want to have projects which help the world, or we have hard paths with missions that want to help the world, but we can't because we are distracted by our own unhealed issues. Mm. So just being able to heal ourselves will allow us to get on with our projects to heal the world, you know? Yeah. Boom. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Like that is, that's just the whole point to all of it. And, you know, my kind of like big takeaway for you guys is like, don't miss the lesson. Don't miss the opportunity and understand that it can show up in a really obscure way and that it may be really hard to recognize that this is an opportunity for me to heal. It could so easily be, be recognized as like, I'm a victim. Why me? Like it's them. It's not me. You know, whatever, whatever it may be, this is a run of bad luck, whatever, really open your eyes and consider that, you know, that there's a drasticness right now for us to all wake up, for us all to move into our greater selves in order to contribute to the bigger upgrading of the earth's consciousness. And it's happening in really intense ways. I mean, look at nature right now. Look at the political situation right now. Look at what's happening around you. It's, it's like intense. And we all play a role in that. That's a ripple effect to your healing, like completely um, ripples out. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, like one more note as well, which I thought about is like, how incredible is the, is the, the magic of mirroring in relationships? How yeah. amazing is that? Like that is a concept that blows my mind. Like, yeah, and it's just about, you know, that's what she's talking about is that like our significant others is our mirror. And how I see that energetically happening is that we are vibrating at a certain vibration and like vibrations attract the same vibration. So whatever vibration, what we're vibrating at is what the partner that we're going to attract. Totally. So, and it's like no coincidence that the thing that they do did or are doing or whatever it is that are triggering you so deeply, perhaps this may not be the case all the time, but perhaps to some degree, you're guilty of the same thing. And they are actually replicating your behavior, secret or not secret, to wake you up to how hurtful that can be and to how out of integrity that can be and how like that's clearly coming from a wound and how you get the opportunity to be um, on the other foot in the other person's shoes. And just, just consider, really keep your eyes open for maybe like your partner is mirroring your behavior or thoughts or whatever in some way to wake you up to like moving through them mm -hmm. and getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. 
some big work. Well, do you think we should move on to a challenge for our listeners? Totally. Um, So I have a challenge here for you guys, um, which is that next time you are triggered in your relationship and you start to go down that familiar dark spiral downward to the he said, she said, um, really take it as an opportunity to be present and to find that wound in yourself that needs to be healed. Yeah, and understand the root of that wound. Mm-hmm. And as we said, it's like 99% of the time from childhood. Mm-hmm. And they can be buried down there so deep that sometimes you need support finding them and getting to them and really moving into them to heal them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, also just to let you know, we do have an article about this um, up on our website, which we're going to link to the show notes. Um, and... We are so happy to have any, um, if you have any questions, comments, any dialogue about this, go ahead and leave a comment either on the show notes or on our article and we can, you know, get back to you and we're just fascinated to hear what you guys would have to say. Yeah. I love hearing other people's stories. That's like the whole fun of it. I learn every time someone shares with me or writes to us and say what they, you know, got out of the podcast or a similar story. It's the best. Yeah. It's so much fun and it's great. And you know, we learn through each other and we're your mirror in a way. So, you know, this is all, it's, you know, you need a community to be able to heal and see yourself really. If you are listening to this podcast, you are our mirror because like energies attract like energies. And this podcast has been attracted into your life because this is the vibration that you're vibrating at. Boom. Yeah. Oh, I hope not. I hope everyone's safe out there and hasn't had ruptures. Well, no, but I mean, I mean, but I think that those of us who are really um, hardcorely on the path towards consciousness are all sort of going through the high pressure situation right now, the pressure cooker, the, what I've heard called the sixth stage of alchemy, you know, Ooh. before the gold comes out, which is the most uncomfortable stage, the stage where you're pressed through the fire of purification. Oof. And that's where we're at, you know, but on the other side of that is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So freedom. Yeah. Love, empowerment. It's kind of like, why do life any other way? If you can and you know how, you just got to like pull up your sleeves and walk through the fire. It's true. But I mean, she talks about that as if it's like so easy and natural, (laughs) but this is, we are path cutting here. This is like really trend setting. I mean, more than that, it's like the fountainhead. It's the first bushwhacker, the person who's literally whacking the bush in the front of the, the line. That's good. Because, that's an Aussie thing. Do you yeah. have that here? Bushwhacker. That's yeah, like a real Aussie. <laughs> Did you get that from me? Where'd you get that? I, I'm like, maybe I got it from you. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's what we're doing. So it's like, it's really hardcore and cutting edge and um, just affirming everybody out there who's doing this work. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. And we all need to be doing the work and it's easier when we're all enrolled in it together. So we got you back. We got gotcha. you. All right. Um, well, so just, yeah, let us know your ideas on the best way to use relationships as a way to evolve and tell us everything you can in the comments section. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear and we read every single comment. We are so grateful for your support. And thanks for listening. We will feel you with us next time. Have an amazing week. Lots of love. Good luck out there. (laughs) Shield, shield, shield. Protect yourself. Call on the angels. Yeah, I'm going to put a shielding meditation (laughs) in the show notes. Please use it. Please. Jenna's shielding every 30 seconds, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) And just like read between the lines, look for the lessons and trust in the divine plan.
Peace out. We love you. Bye. Visit our website, themotherlovingfuture.com for more information. And please leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you like what you hear. We read every single review and comment, and we are so grateful for your support. See you next week.